This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. Welcome in to another edition of Inside Carolina Day After Podcast. Sun came up. We are all smiles for now, at least. Shout out to Johnny T-Shirt being the title sponsor of this podcast. I got no opening thoughts, so I'm going to kick it to you and let you get the opening thought train rolling. Well, I would say that if you were uh, reading about this game or you didn't know anything about what happened and all you knew was the score, Clemson won 31 to 20, that would not come as a great shock to anybody. Uh, they were favored by nearly a touchdown and playing in Death Valley. They win 31-20. The entire college football nation is going to yawn at that outcome. But if you go once you get in into the game itself, it's a completely different story. Uh, this was a game. Honestly, North Carolina should have won. Uh, they had the opportunity to go up 21 nothing. Uh, that would have completely changed the timeline uh, in the metaverse. Uh, uh, for the rest of the game. And so, you know, why they didn't win, who knows? Uh, we could blame several different aspects of it. I think a lot of people are going to have questions about uh, did North Carolina's defense play well enough to win this game? Last week on the game plan, Jason said 34 points wins this game. And he would have been right. So, I think if if things had gone according to Hoyle, um, North Carolina wins this game. The the wild card in, in all of that is that Clemson's defense neutralized North Carolina's greatest weapon, which is Drake May. And for most of the game, they had him under wraps, under 50% completions. That's a big deal. And North Carolina is going to need Drake May what time we have left with him uh, to do Drake May things. And in this game, he wasn't able to. The offensive line was an issue on pass protection. Uh, they sacked him four times. They 
were credited with six quarterback hurries. Uh, probably uh, PFF is going to rank the pressures on uh, Drake way up there. It was the offensive line. If I had to single out one culprit in all of this, uh, I'd, I'd have to go with the offensive line uh, and the pressure that, that the Clemson defense was able to put on Drake May. That's where I would come out. Jason, I'm going to get you in here on the on that. But just your open, opening thoughts here. Um, certainly a game that changed on a dime. That's why it's called a gut punch because of a Nate Wiggins gut punch. Uh, but your overall take. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I thought the offensive line played well enough for, the, for, for Carolina to win. Um, you know, I see five tackles for loss on the night for or on the afternoon for Clemson. And yeah, they, Drake May was under some pressure, but like you said, Carolina was in position to go up 21. This game was decided by two fumbles. And, you know, from a guy who hasn't fumbled in his entire college career until those two plays. And, you know, one of them going into the end zone on a, on a crazy effort play by, you know, a guy who flashed some, you know, Wiggins made, some, made himself some money on that play just for the showing the game speed. Because Omari and Hampton, as, as you could see from the fact that the other defensive backs weren't making any ground up on him, that's a fast dude at running back. I mean, he ran, what, 10-7 in the 100 meters in high school, 10-7-8 or whatever it was. That's fast. And I don't know that he's ever been caught from behind like that in his life. And then Wiggins came in and, and, and knocked the ball out. And... Honestly, I think that play decided the game. And, you know, you combine that with the, the other one, you know, I'm not sure he ever fully had it well tucked uh, going into the line of scrimmage off the handoff. But, you know, you, you take those two fumbles away, from, away in this game. Carolina's up 21-0. This, this game, like you said, the whole timeline's different, Buck. And we're talking about a different game. But, I mean, the defense gave up 5.2 yards per play. That's good enough to win a, win a football game against a, against a good team. And the offense went for over six yards of play. I mean, I'm looking at it, looking at it right now. 6.6 yards per play from the Carolina offense against that defense? And, you know, we, we said going in, that Clemson defense is going to get its wins. They're, you know, you're, you're going to have trouble throwing on the back seven at different points. It's going to be tough sledding there. But, you know, you might get a win or two here and there. And, and Tez Walker did. Uh, J.J. Jones did. Drake May got a few wins there. But you're not going to be real consistent throwing against that bunch. And, you know, it's going to be uphill a little bit being consistent running. And all of a sudden, you get the big plays that you were hoping for in the running game. You were able to run the football the way that you wanted with some chunk plays. And, I mean, looking at it now, uh, the sack-adjusted rushing yardage uh, is 9.6 yards per carry from Carolina. Look, Same. the offensive line played well enough for, for Carolina to have 9.6 yards per carry in sack-adjusted rushing yardage. That, to me, it really and, – and, and I don't want to, to, to sound like I'm saying Omari and Hampton lost this game because, look, the guy was absolutely dynamite in this game, Right. This is not, not a player that lost this game. He went 19 carries for 178 yards on this game, right? 
It's 9.4 yards per carry from Omarion Hampton in this game. If they, North Carolina was in position to win this game because Omarion Hampton and the offensive line took care of business. You change the two fumbles, you get a, you get a better bounce on the one and Hampton recovers it, that's luck. And, you know, you're fine. If Hampton manages to get one yard further before he gets stripped, this game's, this game's completely different. I, I mean, I, I think that's the, that's the game, and I don't, I don't really see a whole lot else there. I mean, we, we said, what do we say, Tommy, in the, in the Game Plan podcast? Carolina had to have a, a neutral or positive turnover differential in this game to be able to win it. And, you know, if, you, if, you, if they were negative turnover differential, they're probably not winning this football game. And that, that's it. That, I mean, we could wrap it there. Yeah. It was minus one on the turnover differential, that one being that big play. Uh, you know, the thing about it is, and we talk about game of inches and all that, Buck, on that, on the fumble, if that ball just goes out of bounds at the one-yard one yeah, line. Just Carolina's terrible ball. breaks. I mean, oh, it, that oblong ball bounces in weird ways. I know a lot of people want to talk about Wiggins being out of bounds or whatever. That doesn't really apply there. Plus, yeah. it's a he, legal he, play for him to come in bounds and, and make the strip. It has yeah, no, and, no bearing on it. Yeah, and even if you wanted to argue that he, he didn't go out voluntarily either, he had it's to irrelevant. get around the thing. But yeah, so folks need to get yeah, off so, of that aspect of it. I need to address that because by rule, so the, the reestablishing yourself in bounds is only it only applies if you're the first player to touch the football when it's unpossessed by another player. Yep. So if you if if the ball had been laying on the ground and Nate Wiggins ran out of bounds and then came in and recovered it, different story. Now if he came in and recovered it in the end zone, it's still a touchback. But uh, but or if he went out of bounds and then came in bounds to uh, to catch a football different story now now that's illegal touching it's or you know it's just going to be the offense's offense's ball it's a whole different thing if you go out of bounds and you come back in bounds to make a tackle and you know you happen to strip the 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 ball comes loose as a result you you know strip a guy coming from out of bounds none of that matters nobody watching watching that game nobody listening to me here has ever seen let's say you've got a sweep and you got a you got a, a cornerback you never see a corner like trying to tiptoe down the sideline so that he can legally make a tackle. That's just not how it works. And, you know, only, only thing you can't do other than that is on special teams, your gunners or whoever are not allowed to run out of bounds intentionally and then come back in and, and, and make the tackle. And that's a special team specific rule. So I, I, I've seen, I, I had so many people tweet at me, message me or whatever about like, that's an illegal play. No, it's not. It was a legal play. It was just a really, really, unfortunate and frustrating play uh, for Carolina and a great hustle play by, by, a play by a Clemson player. But it was legal. It was not a bad call. Nothing was missed there. It just is what it was. Yeah, and Jordan in the chat says, wide receiver can't go out and come back and catch the ball. The ball's not possessed if it's in the air. And yeah. you can't be the first person to touch it. But um, I said it jokingly before we got started and and i want to ask you this um we've been doing carolina football stuff forever i don't know if i've ever seen a team that can't get out of its own way more so than carolina now i watched a lot of football last night 
and I was talking to my better half, and I said, everything that we fuss about that North Carolina does and other that happens in North Carolina games, it happens in other games. I mean, it's just we don't follow it as much. But Carolina has the unique ability to not get out of its own way to keep it clean on Sunday morning. And there is a common denominator here in these last three to five years, and it's the coaching staff continues to make mind-blowing game management, time management issues. Let's talk about that a little bit because that's been a hot topic on the message boards. Where do you sit on this? Is it overblown? Is it a serious problem, which I think it is? Um, Where does Buck Standers stand there? Yeah, I'd say it's a problem. It's a problem. Uh, As far as uh, it being the right call, to go for the two-point conversion. I think that's debatable. I mean, I've seen the stats and um, the advanced metrics on it, and they they say two-point conversion is what you do in that situation. Um, That's that's what the advanced metrics say. I've seen the chart. Um, But it cost them a timeout. They didn't need to burn. Uh, That timeout was more valuable probably than the extra uh, one extra point they would have gotten uh so that's that's the real problem there um what are you laughing at tommy jason is worked up that time I came, was, that was the thing the time like i didn't agree with going for two but it, like you said it's debatable you know that's a marginal thing and i understand kind of why you do it that's fine but the timeout. I'm sorry that uh, you, you lost me there. That's you, you're going to need that timeout. You, you, you lost me. That timeout, you get three timeouts in a half. That timeout is worth a gold bar versus those two points, potential two points. And I still don't understand why in the hell you would go for two. I don't, I don't care what, the, if the analytics and the metrics say that. That's why that Rolodex and all these reliance on these numbers need to be thrown in the trash can. You cut that game to 10, you have an opportunity to get the ball back, you cut it to three, you kick a field goal to tie, or you kick a field goal and you go for two then. I've always hated chasing points um, until you absolutely have to. And then, Buck, they doubled down by calling a timeout. Anyway, we interrupted you. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I mean, the I'm fairly confident that the advanced metrics say that that's what you do in that situation. I've seen the chart. Uh, it was on somebody posted it on uh, Twitter this morning, I guess. At some point, I saw it, and it, it just breaks down every uh, down a distance scenario and all of that. And it it says go for the two point conversion, which I don't dispute. Uh, but you're you're muted, Jason. Yeah, I've been muting you, Jason, because you, you got some heavy background. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, yeah, it's 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 close to 50-50, but, yeah, it's like 51 or 52% go for it. So, I mean, it's a defensible yeah. position. I, I have no problem. Yeah, right. But burning a timeout, man, I just. Yeah. And and by calling the timeout, that gave Sparky extra, you know, minutes to make sure it was the right call. I mean, yeah. Uh, my thing is, is if, if you know, you got to know you're going for something before you get there, right? It's kind of like a baseball player. If they hit it to me, 
this is where I'm going with it. And you're in that situation where if you're going to go for two, you should know that before you get there so you don't have to waste time and waste a time out. It's just, and, and this is not a one-time thing. This is right. Not, we're not we're not talking about it as if it made a difference in this game. Right. I mean, it did it, not make a difference in this it game. Did not it, make a difference in this game. But it's an ongoing thing. It is the common happens. denominator. Uh, there's oh. uh, and and it happens at the end of the first half, at the end of the second half, uh, all over the place. It, you know that they don't seem to be able to get clock management down um, as a function of football and. You know, if you're ever going to win big games, you're probably going to have to make some good clock management decisions. And so uh, that that's where I come out. Yeah, I mean, I just don't understand how it's been an issue for as long. I mean, it started with kneeling on fourth down at South Carolina game in 2019. Uh, I mean, that's been – that's where we are. I mean, that the tape don't lie. <laughs> you know, I and the sky don't lie. Jason – We've talked about the running game. We've talked about North Carolina did enough, um, had enough success there. I can't believe the sack adjusted yardage is 9.6 yards a carry against that Clemson defense is just unbelievable. And and Amarion Hampton, the the fact that he's the guy that fumbled, and you knew it was coming. As much as we talked about he hadn't fumbled all year, you know, I was fully expecting Noah Burnett to have an opportunity and then maybe miss a field goal because we'd, hyped him up so much, and not just us across the way. Uh, but Amarion Hampton has 225 yard carries this year for 1,414 yards and two fumbles. And they could not have come at a worse time. That's why football is just sports, man. That's total sports. Um, but I want you to talk more about his running Jason, because I think we need to give him props despite the fumbles. This guy is – you cannot tackle him ahead of one-on-one. He is a guaranteed three to five yards no matter what. Just what have you seen from Hampton as far as progressing this season? Well, the biggest thing is last year there were times where, you know, as I said in my scouting report in the summer – you could see the talent in terms of the physical stuff, but there were times where it looked like he was running with his eyes closed. At time. You know, it, it just, he'd run right into the backs of his offensive linemen. He, he, he would miss a seam. He'd get, to, he'd get three yards upfield, and he'd, be so, he'd have so much lean you know, r- trying to run behind his pads that he'd you know, not be in position to really make, make a guy miss at that level. Uh, you know, he's trying to run over everybody, and there were just there are things that for a high school player like his size and, and, and speed you just kind of run into whatever whatever location on the field you want run over who's whoever's in your way and run for a score <laughs> and in college you have to learn how to read your your blocks you have to to get your feet in sync with your eyes you have to to make sure that when you are uh when you're coming into the line of scrimmage, you're accelerating at the right time into the right space, and then as you get to that next level, you can't be, you can't just try to run over everybody because their guys are gonna be able to tackle you at this level. And what Hampton did is over the course of the off season and during spring, during camp, all this, and, and even he's, I think he's grown as a runner during the, during the season. I think he's a better runner than, right now than he was in the opener. 
Uh, he's, he's gotten more and more feel for, for basically what, what they're asking him to do and, and how to set up his blocks and all that. What you're seeing is a guy who is, first of all, he's not sprinting into the line of scrimmage from the, the first step before he even gets the football. His sense of timing and his feet are synced with his eyes a lot better. And then the other thing is when he is getting, so he's, he's running through arm tackles, of course, at the line of scrimmage, but when he is getting to the second level, he's getting to the second level in balance and with, some, with, with, with a, uh, the ability to, to make a cut. So he's, he's still a one cut back, which is great. I'm, I love that kind of back. But he's getting to that second level in position to stick that foot in the ground and make a cut rather than just trying to run through whatever's there. That combination is allowing him the acceleration, so he's, he's sort of patiently sinking his, hand, his feet with his, with his eyes, and as soon as his eyes see something, that's where that acceleration, and he's got, I think, you know, top, top, top end you know, talent in terms of the ability to accelerate for his size. It's the acceleration that then allows him to run through some initial uh, tackles at that at the line and then because he's he's seeing those seams better and he's in better balance that's where you're getting the highlight yards I mean how many times yesterday there were three or four runs where Clemson had a guy kind of there coming in from that second level who could have made a play and Hampton was just in a better he had a better angle to be able to to take a six-yard, seven-yard run and make it into a 60-yard run. And, I mean, even the, the, the run where he, where he fumbled, the long run there, you go back and you watch that run and the, and the tackle that he breaks at the, at the line of scrimmage or close to the line of scrimmage, which is not just due to size speed, that's due to how he understood the angle he needed to hit that at and hit it just right and then stuck his foot in the ground and, and, and got the defensive uh, player off balance and then ran through the arm tackle all of that super impressive and then he erased the angles and you could see the speed the long speed uh that this is the kind of game marion hampton may have fumbled a couple couple times in this game but he made himself money from the next level perspective because they know he's not a fumbler uh you know there are guys who fumble because they're fumblers these were fumbles that just you know sometimes you sometimes it happens that's football sometimes a guy just gets 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 the hand in the right place or the helmet happens to go in the right place and, and the ball's going to come out. He made himself a lot of money yesterday because that, that's a really good defense and everybody, everybody who's going to scout that game, is gonna, that's going to be one of the first that they take off the, off the shelf when he gets uh, scouted next year. And the combination of physical stuff, like I said, was there last year. It's all the soft stuff. It's the, the, the vision, tying the vision to the feet, the patience, and understanding how to set up things to be able to hit big plays at the next level, uh, at the second level, that really is where he's advanced. And, and he's, you know, he's one of the best running backs in the country. He should be in consideration for you know, first-team All-America at that position. That'll be an interesting watch to, to see where he shakes out there. If he's not first-team All-ACC, it's criminal. But, it, it, but on the national level, it'll be interesting to see but let's let's do the Drake May portion of the show. You talked about it earlier. Drake sort of limited um, by what Clemson was doing. Sixteen of thirty-six. I wonder if he's gone sixteen of thirty-six in his life. I, I tend to doubt it. All the way back to Pop Warner Ball, two hundred nine. Uh, 
completion percentage of 44. Nate Wiggins got him on an interception. You can see that one coming. Um, I tweeted Nate Wiggins, Drake Mays, kryptonite. And on the fumble, let me let me refer back one more time to the fumble. Somebody just stand up and give Nate Wiggins some props. I, I mean, I, I've seen so many people talking about it wasn't legal. Omarion Hampton let up. The guy got around his legs a little bit at the end. Nate Wiggins made a hell of a football play. Somebody just stand up and say, as a Carolina guy, that dude just made a play, and it works, and it happens. He made more than one in this game, too. And, and yeah. you remember in the, in the Game Plan podcast, that Barrett Carter, Trotter, and, and Wiggins were the three guys I singled out. And I, yeah. I said, look, Wiggins is the best corner Carolina will have faced or will face this year because he dang well might be the best corner in the country. And I mean, he, was just he didn't do anything in this game to convince me otherwise. Yeah. I mean, and he Give was all props. over Tez. Uh, I mean, people say he held Tez. Sure he did. But, you, I mean, the bottom line is, at some point, it's not it, – it could be the officials if that's the way you want to take it. But it's not always the officials. It's not always coaching. It's not always the Carolina players screwing up. Sometimes somebody else on another team makes a play. That's the one thing that I get tired of seeing the most is just give somebody else props. Now, back to Drake May. Buck, he did. He struggled at times. He made some good plays when he started running. What do you think of his play and how do you think he sort of progressed this season? Uh, because you mentioned the offensive line. Uh, those guys were all over Drake, especially up the middle on him. Your take there, Buck. Yeah, I wanted to clarify that uh, when we were talking about the offensive line, I was speaking about pass protection, not run blocking. Uh, so uh, that's part of it. But I think part of what we're missing here is going back to the uh, alternative timeline theory of this game. Had uh, North Carolina scored on that touchdown, the two touchdowns ahead of uh, – the uh, fumble, it would have got to be 21 nothing, And then let's say Geo Biggers, his um, interception holds up and uh, uh, said Gray's arm brushing the helmet of Club uh, Cade Klubnik wasn't actually roughing the passer. Let's, let's make that assumption. And North Carolina goes into the locker room at halftime 21 to nothing. Drake May has a completely different game than the one he had. He's operating with a 21 to nothing lead. Clemson has got to do things differently. They've got to, to uh, focus on different things. Uh, they can't uh, sit back and just pin their ears back and try to go after Drake um, all the whole second half. Um, and... The thing that uh, Jason was talking about as far as uh, yards per play of the offense, they average 6.62 yards per play. That's more that's the highest uh, number that Clemson's has given up all year. They've not given up anything close to that all year. 5.8-something against Duke, I think, was the second highest. Um, and North Carolina's uh, yards per play given up was not that bad. It was under six. It was like five, four, three, I think. It wasn't bad. Uh, the defense, in terms of uh, the number of yards they were giving up, um, was also not bad. But uh, the problem was North Carolina ended up 
uh, going into the locker room, down seven points. Clemson gets the ball coming out in the second half. Ultimately, they go on to win the time of possession in the fourth quarter, 11 minutes to four. And North Carolina, even though they're averaging 6.62 yards per play, that doesn't matter if you're not getting very many plays in the game. I think North Carolina had 69 plays and Clemson ran 89, something like that. Um, So we have to judge Drake's performance based on some of those factors. Um, Had he gone into the locker room up 21 to nothing, uh, it would have been a completely different Drake May in the second half. He didn't, and he wasn't, and he ended up the way he was. But... um, you know, I'm not trying to make excuses for Drake. Drake, I didn't listen to his press conference, but I'm sure he placed all the blame on himself. Everybody says he's harder on himself than anybody else is. Uh, but the, the most important factor coming out of all of that is he's got to shake it off before North Carolina goes and plays NC State next week because they don't have a bad secondary either. So, Yep. Jason, uh, get in here on Drake before we take a break because I do want to talk about the defense on the other side of the break. Um, Drake struggled. Why did he struggle against the Clemson defense beyond what we've already talked about with Nate Wiggins? Yeah, I mean, this was a game where he needed to be at his absolute best. I mean, we talked about it in the pregame. Clemson might have the best back seven in, in college football. They're, they're going to force you to be outstanding. You're going to have to locate, locate the football. You're going to have to hit NFL windows. You're going to have to be, get the ball out on time and earlier than usual. Uh, and there's just not going to be a whole lot of space. And by the way, I keep seeing people like Wiggins was holding, you know, Tez Walker sometimes. Tez Walker also pushed off on multiple occasions that were not called. This football, folks. Yep. The, not, there, there was not one, one, one no call on, on Wiggins that I thought was, was worthy of significant, you know, pass interference stuff. You know, you had the one even RG3 was kind of, well, you know, I think that was interference. I don't think it was. You, you know, you, you're, he was there a little bit, little bit, maybe a little bit early, but where the ball's positioned and all that, you, you, that's a play on. You ha- if you're going to call that, then you better call the one on, on Marcus Allen down the, down the field on the double move uh, against uh, – against, um, Adam uh, uh, Adam Randall for Clemson. Yeah. Uh, you know he he got there. It's, it was almost exactly the same play, and they'd let him both do it. That's that's football, folks. But the thing is, this was a game where Tez was not going to be able to run wild against Wiggins. He got some wins. Tez made himself some money in this game too, because because uh, because anybody that's beaten Wiggins and running by him the way that Tez did, we saw how fast Wiggins was when he ran. Hampton down, and, and Tez ran by him a couple times. Okay. Uh, and Drake dropped the ball in a bucket a couple times. He made some big-time throws in this game. The throw to J.J. Jones was a great throw, uh, and there were a few others. But overall, I didn't think Drake was, was especially sharp in this game uh, in terms of the consistency that, that he's played with at different points. You know, he dirted a few balls that, that he'd love to have back. And he, uh, 
he missed some. He missed. He missed a, one read that should have been an interception. Threw it straight to Jeremiah Trotter. Just missed the uh, the underneath coverage. And there are a few of those where there were hiccups in this game. Where you know, if I'm if I'm an NFL team and I'm looking for reasons not to draft Drake May number one. First of all, the first game I'm pulling off the off the film of the last two years for Drake May in terms of assessing him and scouting him is the Clemson game because I know that that's the closest to an NFL defense he's going to have played. And I'm looking at it and I'm going, okay, big-time throw, big-time throw. Big, what, what was he seeing there? Big-time throw, okay, he's got he's to get that out a little early. Big-time throw and then dirted a ball and then another miss. And then another miss, and there were a few points where I, I actually won. I, I've, I've wondered the last couple of weeks whether he's fully healthy in terms of his of his uh, uh, of arm and upper body, uh, and maybe he's not. But there are a few misses that were that were a little uncharacteristic, where he got maybe a little pressure, and, and RG three in a couple of cases. Oh well, the pressure affected him there, and I'm thinking. He had enough space to have a full motion there and, and just missed it. And, and there, were, there were probably five of those. Uh, and I think Drake would, would say, like, he didn't throw it as well. He was not as sharp in this game as he would have liked to have been. So, you know, I think it was up and down. This was kind of a boom and bust performance for him in a game where he needed to be, you know, he, this was a game where Drake May needed to be turned up to 11 in terms of quality, and I think he was more like a seven and a half, you know, maybe a seven. And, you know, that's, that's not at his level. That's not at the level that he's used to playing. Let me take a second to talk about, and folks in the chat, a couple things. One, explaining that the other team has good players, too, is not blowing anybody, as somebody said in the chat. Um, I'll probably get in trouble Jeez. for saying that. But... You guys, folks want to rip on certain aspects of the game, realize that there's other good players out there. And, and we've tried to do that fairly without just saying somebody stinks. But this gets my blood boiling a little bit. I'm sorry. And also, Jason explained the Nate Wiggins play early in the chat or, or early in the discussion. So when we're done, rewind it and listen. The full fleshing out of why Nate Wiggins' play was not illegal touching. Gonna take a second to talk about Johnny T-shirt. Shout out to the 403 people in the chat, <laughs> guys. You are amazing, and Johnny T-shirt is there for you when they want you, uh, when you need your Carolina gear, whether it's basketball, mm. football, Woo. basketball, football, uh, field hockey. Look, the field hockey team's playing for a national championship at 1:30 in Chapel Hill. The women's soccer team is playing at 2 o'clock in the NCAA tournament. They've got all the gear for all those type sports, and you can take care of them uh, by going there and shopping local, shopping alumni-owned and operated, but also if you're a premium subscriber. And if you're a premium subscriber, please check out Jason's film breakdowns. But also if you're not a premium subscriber, get on the train and watch those videos. A lot of people are talking about what happens after the season, a lot of people are talking about coaching changes and all that. Inside Carolina is where it'll be if anything like that comes up. Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Take a national break or take a break for the national guys. It's the day after Carolina loses to Clemson. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, Buck. Let's talk about the defense. I've, I've previewed <sighs> your column. To? this. I previewed your column that'll come out shortly after this. Um, your take on the defensive plays. Jason said 34 points wins Carolina the game. He would have been right. But, go Buck. Well, you know, there's uh, good and bad you could say about it. But um, as I uh, preview in the column, uh, my line in it was uh, if, if you as a UNC fan are intent on uh, you're on that UNC defense sucks, fire Gene Chiswick train, you're not going to tie me to the tracks uh, and uh, run over me with it because I, I feel like there should be changes in the offseason too. But the defense did not play as poorly in this game um, as they did at many, many points in uh, the season to this point. Um, they got six three and outs. Now that's not, you know, uh, participation trophy worthy, you know, that just because they had six, three and outs, they played great football. And, uh, you know, there were some other things they were unable to do, uh, in terms of stopping, uh, Clemson at critical points. Um, there were missed tackles. There were bad angles taken. Some of the stuff that we see virtually every game, uh, that Carolina plays, but in this particular game, they did not play horrible. This was not a horrible defense. It wasn't a great defense, but uh, you know that they held uh, Clemson to trying to see. Do you have that off the top of your head, Jason? Uh, yards well, per play. Titles. Yeah, yards per play. Five and change, something like that. Yeah, um, yeah, five point two. Uh, Sorry, I was I was muted. 5.2. Yeah. So the defense did not play badly, and uh, they came up with uh, some turnovers. Should have had one more turnover. Uh, so uh, I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, uh, hang this loss on North Carolina's defense. There are plenty of losses that they have had. I'm going to give them to the defense, but not this one. Uh I think they did enough that if North Carolina had, like Jason was saying, uh, had they had it turned up to nine or ten on offense, they'd have won this game 
going away. Uh, and now some of that was taken out of their hands uh, uh, by some of the calls that were made. We're not going to blame the refs for uh, costing UNC this game. But at the same time, I think the defense did enough um, to win the game. And had North Carolina scored 34 points, they would assuredly have done enough to win the game. That's not even in question. So uh, if you want to bang on the defense, I'll stand off to the side and let you have at it. But uh, this uh, North Carolina defense did not was not the cause of this loss. And Jason, looking, I, I, looking I, I, at the I want to jump counts. in real quick. I want to jump in real quick. I'm seeing in the chat, I'm seeing people say, you know, they gave up 450 yards and, you know, they're 90th in the country in terms of this or that. Y'all stop using per yards per game metrics. Stop. Those, those were out of date when, D, when VHS tapes were still being used. So don't do it. Use per play measures. 5.2 yards per play against Clemson is a good outing for the defense. You're going to give up plays against a good team. That's fine. And they're 56th, by the way, in the country in yards per play allowed. So, you know, if we're, if we're talking about that, that's a, that's a different thing. They, I'm not, I've been on record. I am not happy with how the defense has played this season. But let's use correct metrics if we're going to do it, and let's not point to you know, 450 yards. 450 yards on 80-plus plays is not bad. You, you know, you have to adjust. Now, if you give up 450 yards on 50 plays, that's a whole different ball game. But the, the defense played well enough for Carolina to win this game. Yep. A couple key things, Jason, I wanted to ask you about. We talked about snap counts um, last week a lot. Um, I saw Amari Campbell out there early in this game, and I said, oh, okay, they're going to get some guys rest, and it's not going to be a worn-down thing. And I think that came into play on a play that I'm going to mention to you. But Cayman Rucker, 91 snaps. Evans, 72. Gray and Eccles, 92 and 90. Uh, Amari Campbell, after that early sighting, had three snaps. Marcus Allen, 90 on the corner, which Stick Lane got 70, which I like, but I think he – he missed a couple tackles late. But, Jason, I thought a key play in this game for the defense, Carolina, and if I'm wrong on this, correct me, Carolina cut it to 21-14. to 14, And then Shipley had that long run, if my memory serves. And you had a missed tackle by two of your best defensive players. What did you think, Jason, as the game wore on with North Carolina's defense especially late. Now, the fourth quarter, they didn't give up a boatload of points and yards like they had in the past. But how did you think as the game went on, North Carolina's defense was holding up? Well, let's just take a look at the, at the, uh, at the numbers in terms of first, second, third, and fourth quarters. So in the first quarter, Carolina gave up 4.7 yards per play. In the second quarter, they gave up 4.3, which is very good against, uh, against a, uh, a good good power five team in the third quarter they gave up 7.9 yards per play and then in the fourth quarter back to 4.6 largely because Clemson sat on the football once they went up because it was uh, it was 28 to 14 going into the fourth quarter and, and Clemson kind of packed up at that point and just wanted to wanted to make sure that they didn't uh, didn't do anything stupid so at that point they were running the football they ran Clemson ran the football 16 times 
in the uh, in the fourth quarter. And several of those were, you know, they had two drives essentially that were uh, almost kneel down drives because of the, uh, the the fourth down that Carolina went for, which I think was, by the way, the right decision to go for fourth and long from your own 20 there because you, you had to have two possessions. But Clemson basically sat on it there and then on the next drive as well. So essentially you do see second half, Clemson jumps to almost eight yards of play in the third quarter, and that's when they scored 14 points. And they averaged 8.5 yards a rush. Had a couple of those big plays that, that you mentioned. And yeah, you, I, I think you still see Carolina's defense just leaking energy as the game goes on. And I, I, I also, I mean, I noticed Campbell, he jumped off the screen on that play. I mean, he, he made a play, a good play uh, as, as a linebacker, was in position, did everything you ask him to do, and then didn't get any more get it get any more run the rest of the game and I, I was disappointed by that and I'm, I'm just I've been disappointed by the rotation all year though I do understand like you know there are times where if you don't feel like your guy's ready like fully ready to to, to play then you know the comfort as a coach is to keep the guy that you trust more in but by this stage of the year this is where you know my belief is that that your coaching staff needs to have a plan early in the year to make sure that by the end of the year a guy like Amari Campbell is ready for 20 plays, you know, a game in, in a game where your defense is playing 90 plus plays, uh, and and they're not there. Something that folks should do: we had Shaquille Rashad on Inside Carolina Live yesterday, and you can go find it on YouTube. Um, sort of ask Shaquille about playing young guys and about playing the backups and all that. It's some interesting discussion in that show. You don't usually go back and listen to a pregame show after a game, but Shaquille offered a lot of good stuff there. Buck, um, positives. I, I think I, I will say this. I think when Elijah Huzzy went out, which from my untrained non-medical eye looked like potentially a high ankle sprain, um, that really, really not only hurt the defense, even though I thought DJ Jones played well in his replacement, but it really hurt on punts um, and, and soaking up that hidden yardage. But, but give me some positives on the defense. I think there were some out there. Um, you know, I think the safeties, other than stick lane, still don't come down and hit. Um, but I thought Marcus Allen played pretty well, and I thought stick played pretty well. Um, your take there, Buck, on, on the defense, on the good side, because I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about some of the standouts and positive stuff, given your take on the defense playing well enough to win this one. You know, if people are going – going to uh, rebel when I say this, but I didn't think Don Chapman had a bad game. Uh, he was making some hits out there. Um, and uh, I didn't think that uh, the uh, play of the the defensive line was as good as it should be. Uh, certainly they didn't have, they didn't get any sacks. So, uh, and uh, that's probably also has something to do with Clemson's offensive line. But I, I don't want to get into uh, – I don't want to lapse into in front of this uh, uh, fired-up comment uh, crowd that we have today to get into any toxic positivity. Um, uh, you know – That's a hell of a I, word. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not, I'm not going to get uh, – you know, I'm not going to get accused of that. Uh, and uh, – get in here and say, well, you know, everything happens for a reason and other platitudes like that. You know, the, the defense and, and for those people that, uh, 
push back against some of the assessments that we've had here about the defense. Nobody here is saying that this is a great defense. If you've got it on your bingo card, this is not the 85 Bears. Uh, so uh, take it easy when we're, we're saying things about the defense. This is not, you know, I've seen some really bad defenses in my time watching Carolina football, Tommy has as well. And, uh, you know, every, Jason's seen plenty of bad North Carolina defenses. Uh, but that's not what we saw yesterday. You know, I have seen North Carolina's defense get brutalized, uh, just plain stoned um, many times. That was not yesterday. Now, did they, did they play perfectly? No, they did not. Uh, they didn't play well enough to, to allow the offense to play the way they did. Let's put it that way. Had the offense gotten 34 points on the, on the board, we'd be talking about an upset win yesterday in Death Valley. So, uh, you know, that's where I come out about the, about the, uh, the defense not going down the toxic positivity road, uh, but let, let's not also lynch people that uh, have committed a misdemeanor. Uh, so that's where I come out there. Jason, give me um, give me some positives and and sort of where do we go? Where does this team go from here? I watched a little bit of that NC State Virginia Tech game. Um, it, it looks it's a similar setup to what you see going on with. Clemson, you know, State's finding some footing ahead of a big game next weekend. Just, just your overall thoughts on the defensive play there, good and or bad, and, and what's next? Yeah, I mean, I, I, the thing that I was, I was actually pleased about is that you saw a level of physicality from the defense in this game that was, I thought, improved over the last three, four weeks in particular. Um, they, uh, you know, I saw uh, uh, – let's just think about the, the short yardage situations. How many times so far this season has Carolina's defense been in a short yardage situation against whoever, and you just watch them give up the two, three yards just pretty easily? Clemson had to work in short yardage, and they didn't get them every time. Uh, and I know that's that's kind of a low bar in the sense of like, wow, you know, there were there was a third and one and Clemson didn't run for four yards. They got, you know, got tackled for a loss there. Uh, wow. Cade Klubnik, you know, has got the, the little push play, the sneak thing that everybody's doing and, and got stoned at the line of scrimmage. Like, wow, they, they actually did some stuff that you'd expect a competent defense with defensive linemen that are actually playing low and. And, uh, and, and with some physicality, they did some of that in this game. Uh, there were some plays where they spilled the, the counter correctly and, uh, and, and managed to string it out to the sideline and, and you had a guy come up and make a, make a play. Uh, I want to single out um, a couple of the defensive backs for coming up and not waiting at the line of scrimmage for somebody to, to do something, but coming downhill and actually making tackles in, in the backfield. This happened a few times. Or not not necessarily in the backfield, but you know, a yard or two upfield, and actually tackling with you know, coming downhill a little bit. Some things that I've not been happy about the last few weeks, 
But I thought we're a little better in this game. And they're going to have to continue to be better against a, a, state, a state offense that's going to, uh, true to form, they're going to come in and they're going to try to run the rock and run the rock some more. And once they've finished running it a little bit, they're going to try to run it some more. And uh, you're going to have to be physical and handle, handle business at the point of attack against them the same way you did in, against Clemson. I don't think State has a Phil Maffa or, or Shipley on that roster. So, you know, that's the, that's the good thing is that if they handle their business up front about, at about the same level they did against Clemson, I, think they, I don't think they'll give up thir- 31 points to, to NC State. So that's, a, that, that's the positive to bring out of this game from a defensive side is that I did think there was some legitimate improvement in some of those areas. Yeah, I agree there. I mean, I love the way Marcus Allen came up, I believe, shot the gap on that screen and, and made a hit. We haven't seen that. Um, a, a lot of a lot of positives, but um, some untimely missed tackles there that, that cost them on that Shipley run. Buck, let's, let's wrap this one up. It's, we're 50 minutes in. Um, to paraphrase you, um, we've plucked all the turkey bones. Oh. <laughs> We've plucked all the feathers off that turkey. Should I, should I say this the turkey. right? Should I should I say this the right way? We've yes. plucked we've plucked all the feathers off this turkey. Yeah. Yes. Accurate. That's on your relevant. bingo card. You can cross that one off. Yeah, really. Um, North Carolina goes to NC State. What I want to see from this game is solid effort across the board, and the coaching staff completely and all in putting this team in position to beat NC State, whether it's clock management, whether it's play calling, whether whatever you want to say. I want to see a game played by North Carolina Buck that we're not talking about some crazy clock management issue that we have literally every game, some crazy um, decision. I want to see a game fully decided by the players on the field between the white lines. But close us out on this one. Well, it's uh, state week starting uh, tomorrow or starting today, however you want to call it. Uh, and, you know, this is a big game for North Carolina. You know, last year uh, the Tar Heels managed to uh, – run out their string um, on, on a bad note, closed out with uh, four straight losses. Uh, and this year, they're on that same trend line, except they beat Duke. And if they beat State, that puts them at 9-3 and three for the season, which at the start of the season – Nine and three is where I thought they would end up. I didn't think they'd end up at nine and three the way they have, but this would be a nine and three team. That's what my mind said it was before the season started. So I think we carry that into the game that if North Carolina manages to beat NC State, they'll finish nine and three. They'll go to a decent bowl game. They could finish with double a double digit win season. If they do, it'll only be the second one since 97. Uh, I think that's correct. Yep. And even 
though a lot of UNC fans are going to say that small consolation for a season we thought was going to be much better. You know, I love that when people say that. I love it when they say that. If you don't have expectations of, of the football team program that you follow, if you don't have expectations, then what are you in? Why, why are you even in a fan for it all? Um, and I, I think this team can get to 10 and, and 3. But before they can get there, they got to get to nine and three, and that means beating state next week. So um, that's where I am with that. It's going to be crazy. Before Jason gives his final thoughts, let me give a shout out to Congruity. They're of course sponsors of this podcast as well. Uh, you know, Johnny T-shirts a big deal because it's local. Well, Congruity is a national company, but they're also North Carolina based, and they take care of your small and mid-sized business by empowering you um, with their expert. HR and payroll outsourcing. You know, we talk a lot about the people. Well, the people are the most important part about anything, and they take care of those people with the top-of-the-line technology, the great customer service. They transform your organization into that small and mid-sized business into something bigger than that. If you're on this message board or on this chat, do me a favor. Go to congruityhr.com front slash Tar Heels. Fill out that form. Get connected to a consultant. And let those guys give you a plan that you can either take or not. It's free if you're an Inside Carolina person. It's free to get their assessment of what they can do for your company. It's worth it. Drake May always says, you never go broke making a profit. Congruity gives you a free opportunity to do just that. CongruityHR.com, front slash Tar Heels. Fill it out. Check them out. Jason Staples. Final thoughts. State week, as Buck says, and and I agree. I love the feisty chat. Buck po- posted that in the chat. I love <laughs> it. I, it makes it fun. It makes it. We've done many of these shows when there's a ton of apathy, when nobody nobody gives a rip. Shout out to UNC Carter on the message board. Goes to Waffle House, comes home, throws it up on the big screen to listen. People care. Hundred percent. People care. That's why people get mad. Um, the old saying, if I quit yelling at you, it's because I don't think you have anything left to offer. Um, here we are with North Carolina football. Jason Staples, close us out. Yeah, so, Tommy, what, what did you have as, uh, as Carolina's final record in the regular season uh, coming into the year? 10-2. and two. Losing to you Clemson have? and Pitt. Buck had 9-3. Buck, you had 9-3. and, three. and I, I, did. I think I had not, I think I had 9-3, and three too. So you, you you did especially on the probability share when you, you yeah, shook out like yeah. eight and a half, three and a half, something like that. Because yeah, you were doing so, probabilities this year. Yeah. So Carolina wins this game, and honestly, they're right on realistic expectations for the season. You want to get to the place where, as a program, expectations are better than nine and three. But you know how many programs realistically can expect better than nine and three in a given year? That's not a big number, right? Carolina is actually getting there. Uh, now you can say, well, you know, could have been with a with a, a elite quarterback. You should expect more. Sure, okay, I, and that's why I understand why people are, are salty. And I think there's some justification for that. But you know. 
nine and three is a good season. And you know, if you're if you're on this, if you're if you're part of the Carolina program, and you and you have any trouble getting motivated for NC State, I've said it before. Like this might not be the sport for you. This might not be the the you know the pursuit for you. Um, this is a this is this is an opportunity to to knock off uh, to cross off one more, you know, going into the season goal to to cross off another rival, and in terms of program building. This is a really important game. You got to win this game. You know, you got you, this is a second season with Drake May at quarterback. And you know, NC State's maybe a little down from the last couple years from, you know, 2 or 3 years ago from where they were. You got to win these games. And you know, in terms of continuing to build as a program uh, for for the optics of it. In fact, Tommy, I'm curious, would you would you call this a must-win game? Uh I one million percent say Saturday in Raleigh is a must-win. Bingo. I, th- I think we're wearing that. I think we're wearing that out a little bit with Tommy, but uh, yeah, it's a must-win. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, it, it's a rivalry game. It's a game that that I think Carolina should win uh, and should be favored in this game. And you get there, you get to nine and three, and you've had a successful season, and then. Bowl season will be interesting because you know there 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 are a number of NFL, number of players with NFL real NFL prospects on this team. And you know who they get matched up against is going to matter and all that. But this is absolutely a team that can get to ten wins. So, uh, and you know ten win seasons are a good barometer of where of a healthy program. So, yeah, I, I think uh, I think I'll just wrap with that. I mean, I, I think there's been some points of frustration. I've been very frustrated with some stuff that I've seen. But there's also been some growth. So, uh, so yeah, well, you, you want to see one more week where you see some of that growth and, and, uh, and, and move into, into the postseason. Yeah, somebody asked uh, me earlier, will we do a postmortem on the season? We'll do that when the season's over with, with this crowd. Um, a lot to talk about there. Who knows what will happen? But I do know what happens this week is North Carolina plays NC State at 8 o'clock in Carter-Finley Stadium. Uh, if you've never been, it is a hornet's nest, and we'll be there. Uh, but one thing else is Inside Carolina will be here all week. Got a ton of coverage. Vip and Shot coming up. Justin Jackson and John Bowman will do their basketball show after North Carolina's game on Thursday, on Hall- or excuse me, on Thanksgiving. Um, they'll do that live. Coast to coast, noon dish, uh, all you can ask for at Inside Carolina. And if you're watching this and you're mad about football and all that, and we get it, we understand it, and it's a good thing, on Thursday, spend some time with your family and kiss all the babies and hug all the mamas and and the daddies and the brothers and sisters and all the relatives. Take time out for that. Carolina football will be ready to go on Saturday. Join us over near the Bojangles lot at uh, Carter-Finley if you'd like to. But shout-out to Buck Sanders, Jason Staples on the road. I'm Tommy Ashley. And shout-out to the people that are always here in the chat. Ton of regulars, ton of new people. We love them all. Shout-out to Congruity and Johnny T-Shirt for being our sponsors. Everybody be safe and have a good week. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the a new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. 
The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.